Coming up on Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. We share opinions on if the Young Bucks will ever go to WWE. We examine the positive and negative reactions to the WWE All-Women's Pay-Per-View announcement, our Slammiversary review, New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 impressions, listener Q&A, and we close out the show talking about the worst wrestling chants, all on this week's Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. WrestlingInc.com brings you Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, the podcast that goes beyond WWE and goes in-depth on ROH, NJPW, Impact, and more. Also featuring fun pop culture and wrestling crossovers, listener Q&As, and extended discussions about wrestling topics past, present, and future. Now, here's your host, Kelsey. Welcome to Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. I'm joined, as I am almost every week, by my co-host, Paul. Here I am. So, what do you think <laughs> about this wrestling week? Uh, I was... Uh... Pretty happy about uh, just about everything that happened uh, between Impact and Ring of Honor, uh, G1, obviously. I mean, to me, the most disappointing things were Raw and SmackDown, <laughs> which we'll get to later. For me, that's <laughs> I know that's, that's, that's you every huge. week. <laughs> Whatever. No, I'm not always too harsh. Uh-huh. SmackDown was not that bad. No, it was okay. Okay, so before we get into our really busy reviews of all the wrestling stuff, let's first do some quick plugs. You can find me on Twitter at SuperKickingIt. That's S-U-P-E-R-K-I-C-K-I-N-G-I-T. I I like, you know, I ask for a lot of opinions. I ask a lot of wrestling questions. Please connect with me. I'd love to have a one-on-one. I think it'd be a lot of fun, and I think you guys would like it too. And Paul, where are you on Twitter? I am at PBoron88, and... uh... I basically retweet everything she says. <laughs> but if you like soccer talk, I'm your guy. <laughs> yeah, you sure are. So also I have a YouTube channel that mm-hmm. maybe people don't know about. It's called Super Kicking It with Kelsey. That's Kelsey, K-E-L-S-I. And your best things to me are your uh, your reaction videos at uh, Big New Japan events and Ring of Honor stuff. So Yeah, I'll be doing one for the G1 Finals this year. And maybe even sooner. Yeah, we'll see. Else big happens. If the matchup is worthy enough and I feel invested, that's when I do them. Because that's when my reactions are really intense also um really quick we haven't told people some of our new listeners we're going to be at all in and starcast in fact we're on podcast row so if you guys are going to be at starcast make sure you stop by on podcast row on saturday that's saturday the day before all in come say hi to us interact with us we'll be interviewing lots of people and a lot of that content will be bringing to wrestlinginc.com so look out for that i think it's going to be a really fun time i'm excited yeah it's going to be a huge weekend of action uh, it's obviously a significant significant event uh because of what it means for independent wrestling and uh we're happy to be a part of it and of course if you want to follow the show we are at two-faced pod that's t-w-o-f-a-c-e-d-p-o-d and of course there's twofacedpod.com that directs you to everywhere you can listen to the show watch the show and get uh get an idea of what we are all about. All right, that's enough plugs, <laughs> but let's get right into this crazy week of wrestling, starting with kind of a buzzworthy topic. Everyone's talking about Impact and Slammiversary. Lots of positive reviews out there. Yeah, it was a good show. Uh, I think we both, as it started, weren't overly into it, and then it, it definitely grew with the matches as the show went along. Well, you know, some people really liked the opening match, the four-way match. Me, I know I was taking notes because I was doing a recap video afterwards, so I was taking notes the whole time. That, I think, distracted me a little bit. But, you know, 
I think people who haven't watched Impact in a while, they are having an easier time investing, or reinvesting, I should say. Whereas me, it's hard because I like Ring of Honor and New Japan style a lot. It's way different than the WWE style, as is this new Impact style. Mm -hmm. But the Impact style still isn't my favorite because it comes off very newsy to me. Very, I can't really put my finger on it exactly, but it's just the way it's lit, the way it's presented, the video packages. Some of the production stuff isn't my favorite, but the match quality was great, especially when we got you know further along into the pay-per-view, the later matches. Like, we'll talk about our favorite matches to close out this segment, but, uh, man, there were some good, really hardcore ones, like the Eddie Edwards one, the 5150 Street Fight. Yeah, I, I, the Eddie Edwards match, the thing with that, and I wrote, first thing I wrote down about that match was uh, that it seemed short. Like, it just didn't seem like a, it went as long as it could have, I guess, is is the best way to put it. Matt Seidel and Brian Cage, I thought, was a, a decent match, uh, but not as great as maybe as I thought it would be. Uh, yeah, I kind of had that, I think, escalated in my head because Brian Cage can fly for such a really big guy. And so he didn't do too, too much of that. Plus, we had that weird, odd finish with the missed shooting star press. Not just missed, but like, you know, something went amiss. And then that's how the pin happened right, right after Brian Cage finished him. I'm mixed on that because I, I think it was a really good job by Matt Seidel. I think he made it look like a botch well, when course, it wasn't yeah. a botch. Um,. But to do it that well, to make it look like a botch where you're like, wow, did he just mess that up? But then you see the replay and it was intentional. So yeah. a good job by Matt Seidel. Uh, just the finish like left a lot, I think, to be desired for me personally. Mm-hmm. I liked the way the Miss Shooting Star looked, but mm-hmm. just I wish it was more kind of mm, crazy, you know, the ending. Yeah. Just a bigger ending, I think. So anything else stick out to you? What do you think about the feel of the product and the look of the product? Like, I've made my qualms known many episodes of this podcast. I've been talking about how I don't like kind of the newsy feel, as I just said a few seconds ago. It's just, I don't know, I, I wish I could describe it better, but it's just something that has no words. It's just a feeling and just a, a way of, that it's portrayed. Well, from the wrestling perspective, it's certainly, and this show in particular, is starting to take on an ECW feel from the wrestling, and that's the Don Callis influence, probably. Um, You know, a lot of blood, a lot of crazy, violent spots. Uh, The 50-150 match, uh, to me, was the match of the night. Even, Even better to me than Sammy Callahan and Pentagon. I really... Really like the LAX OGs wow. match. I mean, I thought it was tremendous. Uh, the, <laughs> the Sammy Callahan match uh, versus Pentagon was kind of sometimes almost cringeworthy. <laughs> yeah, but that's what made it so great. Yeah, it was. No, it, know, and the story was wonderful too. Right, and I'm not saying it in any. I mean, I'm saying the LAX match was one, and Sammy and Pentagon was one A. They were both awesome matches. But if I had to pick one, I just really liked the LAX match a lot. Yeah, and I, I actually have to agree with you about the ECW feel, and I like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not criticizing that feel, because that's the feel that they should go with, but it's that compared to the stark difference of, like, a newsy portrayal that they kind of do with some of their video packages and their announcing. And I love Don Callis, so it's not him. It's just something about the way they come off. I know you kind of had a few problems with him constantly pushing the product. I mean, commentators are supposed to do that, but yeah. he was doing it... In a different way. It was an, look, I get that they want to, you know, they, 
they felt like they maybe had some new viewers, which I question how many new viewers are plunking down forty dollars if they haven't if they don't know what impact is already about. And Don Callis over and over with the self promotion. This is what you get in impact that you don't get anywhere else. Blah blah blah. Once, maybe twice, but I mean, he did it once or twice in the first five minutes of the show, That's and true. it was four or five times overall. That was the only thing that turned me off. Is like, all right, we get it. We paid the forty dollars to watch it. We're it's because we want to see the Impact Wrestling. So you don't need to keep telling us what you are. We know what you are. Yeah, that's so. true. I mean, I didn't like that either. And that's part of the problem, I think, is the way they portray themselves when they're not doing matches, when they're not just doing video packages about the matches. And now we've got actually a question that instead of putting it in our question segment, this is impact theme, so let's ask it here. Yeah, and this kind of fits what we were just talking about, too. Exactly. Spees and the Benchmark Show at S-P-E-E-Z Benchmark, they ask, in your opinion, is the hype over Impact Slammiversary pay-per-view warranted? Or has the company simply been bad for so long that any step in the right direction will be perceived as a major success? The answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in that I think the hype was warranted because, there again, Pentagon Callahan, LAX OGs, uh, Eddie and Tommy, even though it was short. You know, we haven't even talked about Aries and Moose, which was a, really, that. Yeah. Which was a really good match. But after the two matches that were before it, it kind of suffered in my mind um so yes the product is or the hype is warranted but it was so bad for so long that i think it makes it seem even better you know but i'll go i'll even go the last two pay-per-views this pay-per-view was much better than the last pay-per-view. And not because of what you're thinking. No, I'm not thinking that. I'm thinking that I was going to say that, that (laughs) your opinion from the last pay-per-view to this pay-per-view of Impact's was crazy because you were like that was not worth it last time you were complaining to no end <laughs> well, about the price about the content and about somebody who was on the card <laughs> now this time you've got a lot more of a positive spin and i think it's warranted though and like you said i do think the hype was warranted but again there's something that i wasn't able to fully invest in i think it's because i was distracted or maybe just there's not enough people that i've invested in that's why the Simi callahan to me you said the 5150 Street Fight was your favorite. To me, I love the Callahan match because that's the person I'm invested in the most at Impact. So, which match you're going to like the best, regardless of what it's really like, is the Callahan match because of the story going into it. Because how I feel about him as a wrestler, you know, viewing at home, I'm really invested in him and I love his character. So, that's what I'm leaning towards and that's what I always lean towards liking. I did make a comment while we were watching it talking about being invested that we shouldn't watch any New Japan on the same day as any other pay-per-view because any other pay-per-view it's hard to measure up with how like we watched we caught up on a couple days worth of G1 action before we watched it and I think that's why initially we're like this is not that great but it was more I think not even about impact it was more about the fact that we had just watched so many great G1 matches earlier in the day but I will follow up on something you just said I will stand by that $40 is still way too much. No, I still think it's too much, too. I think they could have still made a lot of money if they had sold it for 30 40 is steep. Yeah. For wanting people to get reinvested in the company, you should start off lower. 20 or 25 at the most. I would be willing to pay 30 but 40 is a lot. Yes, yes. But, of course, we paid it. <laughs> we had to see yeah. it. But um, We got our money, Callis. <laughs> 
And even after he snubbed me, yeah. that's a story we'll tell on another day yes. when our show isn't so jam-packed. But I love Callus. And in fact, speaking of him, you know, his podcast, Killing the Town, Faye had a great interview with Austin Aries this week. I know that we ran that teleconference with Aries last week, but this delved way more into things. He talked about WWE and, you know, how it was when he was there. He didn't begrudge his run there. He actually said it was the perfect setup. He went there for a little while, got what he wanted to you know, do done, and then came to our impact, and now we could do whatever he wants. He's got creative freedom. And he went further and further on about other things, even talked about being vegan, like he did in the teleconference. Mm -hmm. But uh, I really highly recommend the interview. It's the latest episode of Killing the Town. Okay. And, okay, so to end this segment, what was your favorite moment or match? You you said you liked the street fight, but what about a moment in the pay-per-view? Boy, I, I don't know. I mean... I guess the moment that's going to stand out is Callahan and Pentagon with the railroad spikes. I think, to me, that's going to be the signature image of that pay-per-view. Yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised if they didn't use that in, like, a compilation video highlight reel or something. Like, maybe for an intro for their future shows, because that was intense. But another thing, my favorite moment, same match, but uh, Callahan crying. Yeah. And, uh, like, just drool coming down his mouth when they were shaving his hair. Oh my God, so what intense. Is, and what is with his inordinate amount of drool? That, I don't that know. Dude pr pr produces so much drool, it's disturbing. I think it's to show that he's really unhinged and crazy and he's just like, you can't hold him back and I don't know. <laughs> he's really real. Which goes with, along with his whole saying that he's not playing a character, he's playing himself. So he's really raw. And drools. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's it. So now another great show that we watched this week, NXT. They just aired. You know, there were spoilers out a week or two ago about what happened in this past episode this week. So finally, it aired for everyone to see. So this shouldn't spoil it for anybody. <laughs> but yes, Champa won the NXT title. How do you feel about that? I'm fine with it. Uh, I thought it was a decent match. Not it. Not great. I thought it was a maybe a B. You know, maybe a B plus at the most. Yeah, we Good. talked about that after all the great wrestling we watched this week. And people love NXT. So and I love NXT. So do I. <laughs> Let me preface with this whole thing with I like NXT. I really enjoy it. I think it's one of the greatest products out there right now. In fact, I love the lighting and the feel and just everything. The, the video packages are incredible. And they've got some great wrestlers and great characters. But yeah, the in-ring action wasn't my favorite, and I think it's because of Aleister Black. For some reason, I'm really into his character, but not as much into his wrestling, and I've noticed this in his past matches. So, to me, it's like, eh, it was just a B. But it, it's really exciting, the result of the match, regardless. Yeah, Gargano getting involved, no surprise. And it's good to see uh, Tommaso Ciampa win the title. Uh, so, I think he's, he's a good title holder, and we'll see where they go with that. Um, but I was ha I was happy to see Champa win it. I mean, obviously we already knew that, but uh, but it does bring back the whole thing of uh, if you're going to do the TV tapings, things are going to get out week a week in advance. Yeah, that's what sucked about it because I knew about it before I saw it. And mm -hmm. I hate that, but it's unavoidable. It's yeah. really unavoidable in this day and age. It's a shame, but it's the way it is. Yeah. But you know, some other thoughts I had about the show was I, we saw Shayna Baszler again, mm -hmm. and I haven't really ever given this any thought but you kind of brought it to attention she is so good she's such a believable heel and she's a different kind of heel than every other woman not only on the nxt roster but the wwe roster and that's because she's not like all prettified 
if that's even a word. <laughs> I'm making it a word if it's sure. not a word. So she's, you know, there's no glitz and glam with her. It's all about the title and being serious. And she actually looks and acts pretty darn scary, and it's believable. So to me, she she's the best and the scariest heel in WWE right now. No, she's great. Uh, she, I mean, look, she's a badass. And so, you know, she portrays it. It's not, it's not a fake feeling heel. It right. feels real. Um, you know, I go back a couple months ago when she was terrorizing Dakota Kai. Um, <laughs> I thought that stuff was great. Uh, her comment to Candice LeRae this week. She's just a great heel. And uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of hers. Yeah, I agree. I think she's really great right now, and I'm really getting invested in her more than I was before. And we'll see uh, her match coming up against Kyrie Sane. So now we switch our attention to the epic that is the G1. Uh, as we tape this, Night 8 has just occurred. So we're taking you through Night 7. Boy, there's been some great matches. <laughs> yeah, there has been. And I actually tweeted out on Two Faced Pod on Twitter what has been your favorite G1 match so far? And a lot of different answers. I like how it's a really big variety of answers. And that just shows you how many great matches there have been in only the first seven nights of the G1. And there's many more great matches and matchups to come. So it's been tiring, but totally worth it because the product that the G1 yields is just great. It always kind of yields some really fantastic matches. So Amy O at Phoenix... NJPW says Naito and Kenny were just fantastic. Also, Yanu and Abushi and Sonata and Zack Sabre Jr. You asked for one. That is way too hard. These are my top three. This has been such a fantastic G1. Uh, meanwhile, at Deej Kirkby says uh, Omega versus Naito or uh, Tanahashi versus Murder Grandpa. I really did like the Tanahashi uh, Suzuki match as well because they've met many times before, so they're very familiar with each other, and that's what I think made the match really, really good. Well, and Suzuki dominates that match, but Tanahashi somehow gets the result. At OG Head Honcho says, Abushi versus Zack Sabre Jr. That was a wonderful match. Well, and you know my feeling on this. I, I to, to me right now, the moment of the G1 is that Ibushi spot off the to, off that post onto Zack Sabre Jr. In that narrow area of that gate. I mean, the precision on that move and the visual was so good. That's right now one of the moments of the G1 for me. So I can see why that was one of their selections. Yeah, that was a great moment. Very, very good. In fact, we rewound it to rewatch that part, and it was even more amazing the second time. So Ashley Ludwin at GBTYFan07 says, Michael Elgin and Adam Page, Yano and Abushi, Adam Page and the Ace, of course she means Tanahashi, and then Kenny and Naito, which I love Kenny and Naito. I thought that was a great match too. And obviously it's kind of like a repeat of stuff we've seen in – previous G1s the last two years, but they're always gold together. That's why I think this match was no surprise. It was great. Duke Chastain uh, says Goto versus Ishii, another uh, great match, physical. Then, at Bomb Logie says, Naito versus Omega. Those two guys are just special. I hope it's the Tokyo Dome, and they do something like a 60-minute Iron Man match to show that they can do it long format. That would be quite the match, I think. Uh, Aiden says, uh, definitely Naito and Ishii, and uh, that's the one I'm going to agree with. As my, you know, last week I said Jay White versus uh, Okada was my favorite. I think Naito Ishii is going to pass that because that was... That was such a brutal, brutal beating, and so good. 
Then, Mr. Dose, too, says, I could say both of Omega's first two matches, but I really enjoyed Abushi versus Yano. It was probably the hardest I've seen Yano work for an upset win. And, you know what, you're not going to be happy, Paul, but I almost agree with that. I really loved that match. It was great to see Yano upset Abushi. That was a huge loss for Abushi and a huge win for Yano. So, I don't know, I loved it. But also, I liked a lot of Yano's matches, I so... <laughs> I don't know, I've become a fan. You know, I used to say flipping Yanu whenever he was on, and, like, I didn't like to see him, but now I love Yano, and I just... I don't know, it's like wrestling comedy done in a way that I like. Because it's a very fine line, and we've talked about this on the show before. Wrestling comedy can go overboard, but Yano is actually a good wrestler when he tries, and I love the story around how he's struggling not to cheat. I think that's kind of added to his matches this year. So, I don't know. I like it, personally. I know you detest him, but I could care less. I, I disagree. I don't know about detest him, but he's definitely not one of my favorites. And I didn't want to see him beating Ibushi. I was a little... But you knew Yano was going to have an upset in there. We know Yoshihashi's going to have yeah. an upset somewhere in there that we're going to be like, what the heck? Uh, the other match that kind of stood out to me uh, was uh, Suzuki and Jay White, especially oh, when yes. Suzuki blocks Jay White's low blow. Um, and then got style pile driver, but he really, like you were saying, he ragdolled Jay White and Jay White is like a favorite of the block. Yeah. So for Suzuki to kind of manhandle him so much in that match, that was crazy. I love seeing that. That would be my second pick for my second favorite match because, you know, I love Suzuki. I'm kind of, I don't know, partial to him, obviously. <laughs> well, and Okada and Suzuki after slow starts in this tournament yeah. now have have picked it up um so uh it's it's uh it's been great and entertaining and there's a, a lot more of it to come yeah my boy suzuki needed that win so i i am so happy he got <laughs> it there another thing that i like kind of is all the great promos and shenanigans by the firing squad including oh, yeah. bad luck Fale, who now has this new catchphrase f them yeah this is the pg version but, right, you know, of F'em. Course. and um I love one of his latest tweets. It says, some people will never like me. And it's him flicking off the camera, and it says, F him. <laughs> or hashtag F him. So it's like, it's his mantra now. He's got that shirt, which I want so bad. I know that sounds absurd. And another funny kind of note is that I did like a highlight video of all the results of the G1 of the first seven nights. So all this time, I've been thinking that you pronounce Makabe, apparently, like Makabe. Like, I've been saying Makabe. All of a sudden, Kevin Kelly and Rocky Romero are saying, I, I can't even say it now. Like, when I recorded the VO for my video, I mispronounced it like 400 times. Also, I, I've always said Yanu instead of Yano. And I don't know why. I mean, I have problems, you know, pronunciate. See, here we go. <laughs> I have problems pronunciating. English words. Pronouncing. You mean. See, there you go. <laughs> I have problems pronouncing English words, for heaven's sakes. Um, no, but there's others, too. I mean, well, I, I think you're going to release this as, as some sort of video. Her trying to say evolution as she cut a, uh, a video for Wrestling Inc. about that announcement. And she kept calling it evolution, which <laughs> is, so like, is like Lemmy singing for the group evolution because he pronounced it evolution. for the wrestling theme yeah, yeah. Evolution. but you know i, I mean another one you you and other people pronounce tomaso okay well i say champa right but some people say champa i've always said champa like tampa 
So then I was curious to see how they would say it on the NXT broadcast last night. And everybody says Champa, so I'm going to stick with Champa. I'm probably wrong, so just Maybe. assume I'm wrong. I'm saying flipping evolution <laughs> in here. And <laughs> that's absurd. But yeah, I recorded that video like ten times. Ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah, that's our little rant about pronunciation, or at least my little rant, because it's actually quite hard. How do you pronounce Makabe? You guys tell me your pronunciations of it. Uh, finally, we're going to switch gears to Ring of Honor, and uh, they had an Honor for All show. It was a pay-per-view, and uh, I got to say, you know, while it was decent, it just didn't feel like a great pay-per-view in any way. Uh, maybe because the champ wasn't in it, uh, with Jay Lethal not being there. I mean, the main event was the main, great. The though. main event was amazing. The main event was uh, if you didn't see it, Young Bucks versus the Briscoes for SoCal Uncensored. And one of the things I wrote simply. These are six of the best in the business. I mean, all six of these guys are so good. Yeah. And everything was so spotless. There's no waiting around to hit a move like we talk about. Uh, just all of that match was so good. I mean, there were other great parts of the show. Vinny and Marty was great. Yeah, there were other good parts. I really enjoyed when Trent made his return. That was oh, yeah. a huge deal. I think that might have been one of the biggest parts of the pay-per-view besides the awesome main event with the Bucks and the Briscoes and SoCal Uncensored. I thought that was obviously the match of the night, but the moment of the night, like I said, was Beretta coming back. And obviously, I think they might be setting up you know, Colt Cabana versus Bully Ray, which I do want to see. I think that'd be really, really entertaining. Colt would be a great babyface for that match. So I'm really liking how they're like, Really emphasizing how he's garbage. <laughs> Get out of here. We don't want you here. You're garbage. You're human garbage. <laughs> Talking about how Bully Ray is just a terrible person on commentary. They're just blasting him. I love it. Uh, meanwhile, Flip trying to get all in. Can't do it uh, in a match against Nick Aldis. Uh, Aldis wins with the with his foot in the rope and all that. And then uh, they you know, restart the match. They restart point. the match. Um, but the, the Cody... You know, backing Flip was such a bizarre twist in in the show. If you look at it this way, Cody is now a babyface again, which to me is a shame because I love heel Cody, mm -hmm. and now I, I miss too. heel Cody because, yeah, God, he was one of the best heels in the business. So natural at it. But now that he's made up with, you know, the elite in the Bullet Club and Kenny, specifically Kenny, there's no more tension there. Of course, he's kind of reverting back to be in a baby face because it wouldn't have worked as like a heelish character. So I feel like him becoming more of a fan of Flip is kind of in that vein, in that vein of like, oh, he's a face now, which whatever, it is what it is. <laughs> I miss him being a heel and I'll keep saying that because, I don't know, it's just there's so few people that can get legit heel heat today and I felt like he was one of them. Yeah, he still got cheered too sometimes, but he could do things that really got people booing and that's rare. So it's a shame that he's kind of switched so quickly back, but maybe we'll we'll see uh, heel Cody one day in the future again. I, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so too. And also, if you guys want to see some match highlights and some beautifully edited footage, check out NWA's YouTube channel. Man, they had a great recap of the match. They had interview bites with Cody, with Flip. There was some great interaction between Billy Corgan and Flip Gordon backstage while Billy was setting up, while they were setting up for his concert, which was the same night as this ROH show. Man, it was just great footage. And the way it ended, there's like this graphic up on stage. And Cody and Nick Aldis are walking towards the center. And they look at each other. 
and um, then they look at the all-in graphic. And obviously this is after we know that Flip didn't win. So you see all the highlights of the Flip all this match, and then at the end you see Cody coming out to face Nick, just standing, you know, face-to-face, -face, looking at each other like, let's go, let's bring it all in. I loved that. Check it out. Go to NWA's YouTube channel. I can't recommend it enough. It's called 10 Pounds of Gold. It's number 28. You'll notice we didn't say much about Raw or SmackDown. Not much to report there. I literally uh, have not one thing to say. Obviously, the biggest thing was Roman Reigns beating Bobby Lashley, and obviously the Evolution announcement. But we will talk about that is, later. Which is what we're going to get to in our next uh, segment, in yep. our extended discussion. Yeah, and since we've never done an extended discussion on Wrestling Inc. yet, basically, we talked about last week, our name comes from... It's inspired by Batman, the animated series, the character of Two-Face, who flips a coin. That's what our logo's kind of based on, the half-and-half -half design of Two-Face, but also it's a circle because of Two-Face's coin. So, keeping with that theme, we named our extended discussion segment Heads and Tails. So guys, stay tuned, because Heads and Tails is next. St. Arnold Brewing Company, located in Houston, is Texas' oldest craft brewery. Their goal is to brew world-class beers and deliver them to their customers as fresh as possible, making them the best beers in Texas and Louisiana. Their customers are beer lovers, people that appreciate great full-flavored beers. So whether you're enjoying an art car IPA or a smooth-drinking lawnmower, look for St. Arnold beers throughout Louisiana and Texas. Welcome back to Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, and it's time for our extended discussion. It's time for Heads and Tails. And today's discussion is about the groundbreaking announcement, Evolution, which is going to be an all-women's pay-per-view. Before we get into the whole segment, don't you think this sounds kind of familiar to something you may have said a couple of months ago? I remember it like it was almost yesterday. Because women aren't allowed to wrestle in Saudi Arabia, so they're not going to be a part of the show. And I think that really is, it kind of runs counter to what the WWE's whole women's revolution or evolution is all about. And so now they're not even going to be on the show. Now some forward thinking would be, okay, if they can't be there, how about making Fastlane an all-women's pay-per-view? Put both titles on the line. Maybe that's where the Bailey-Sasha Banks feud comes to a head, and that's the main event. Okay, so I'm not saying I, I predicted this. I, it was more like a, an idea that I thought they should do in reaction to the Greatest Royal Rumble. But I'm happy they're doing it. But as we're going to find out from some of the tweets we got from our, our listeners and viewers, the emotions about this run the gamut from... Way positive to way negative. Yeah, and there's some in between, like, who are happy about it, but think, like, it's way too PR-heavy, way too kind of forced and fake-seeming when they've got Stephanie trotting out, <laughs> making the huge announcement, and awkwardly Vince standing <laughs> in the background, not saying hardly anything for most of the segment and the announcement. It's very odd. That's the weirdest part about it to me. But a lot of people take qualms with all the women all of a sudden getting along, standing on stage together, just like that other announcement for the Royal Rumble, the same thing here. And then again, Stephanie, who's usually a heel, being like, oh, women's wrestling, we've come so far because you've demanded it, and just hammering that home. A lot of people hate that. I'm kind of, I'm feeling them there. No, I get it's that. It's way too PR heavy. It is. It's definitely PR heavy. And yeah, I, I just knowing what we feel, how Vince really feels, 
at least this is the interpretation a lot of us have. I'm sure he's not super excited about this idea. Um, and as we're going to find out from some of our comments, he's not alone. Now, we got a ton of comments about this, and, you know, that we can't, can't read them all, nope. obviously, but we are going to have them all as a bonus feature, uh, as you're going to address a lot of them. Uh, so be on the lookout for that, as uh, Kelsey will... Uh, We'll get to all the ones that we didn't get to here on the podcast. There was like 20 comments, and a lot of it was a back and forth between some people, like uh, just kind of debating on, you know, WWE acting like they were the first people to revolutionize women's wrestling. When, when there's been women's wrestling on a bigger scale outside of WWE, they're not like the first, but they like to act like that they're the first and the only. So that's kind of some of the qualms that I have to leave out here. But uh, we'll, we'll address it. Follow me on Twitter at SuperKickingIt, and I'll tweet out a link to that bonus content. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get to some of the comments, and we'll start with uh, the Spees and Benchmark show at Spees Benchmark. They'll go balls to the wall with this event, especially the first one. I'm far from the biggest fan of the women's division, but even I'm intrigued with what they come up with. You have to think or hope it'll be something special, and I agree with that. And I agree with, uh, you know, the, that they're going to go all out on this. And I've I've seen a couple comments about that that the interest will be there for this first one, everything about it. But the the telltale sign will be the second one of these, right? You know, what kind of interest there is, what kind of ratings. The first one's going to be huge, and it'll be a sellout probably. Uh, but, but once that second one comes around, like you said, that's the telltale sign on if it will be successful or not. Yes. And they've got the talent if they pull from NXT. What I don't want to see, and we've got a question addressing this very thing, is too much old school talent dominating everything. I agree. Because it demeans the current roster. Right. And you've got so many great current roster ladies right now that they should have their time to shine. I don't want them all to be just thrown into a multi-woman match just to highlight like Trish, let's say. Right. Which, I, I get it. There's a lot of nostalgia and love for Trish. But she's not on the current <laughs> roster. She's not the person you have to push right now. All these other women are. So that's my viewpoint on it. No, you know we're going to see Trish. We're going to see Lita. We're going to see Beth Phoenix. The problem, or not the problem. The question is, in what capacity, hopefully not the main event. No, I'm hope, what I'm hoping in that regard, and we'll, we'll talk about it more, is that there's one match that's almost like a Legends match. And that then, would be good. And then the rest of the pay-per-view is the current roster. Right. I think I agree with that. Our next question comes from Aiden at underscore A-Y-D-E-N-N underscore. It's a solid pass from me. It all feels artificial and almost forced. That and I have very little faith in the writing staff right now. I understand that, like, a lot of people are complaining. Now, I don't agree, but I understand in a way because a lot of people are saying there's no stories lined up that are even very good right now to build to this pay-per-view. They'd have to do a lot of work in a quick amount of time. Although there is time. I mean, when it's, it's October, all said and yeah. Done. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say, like, okay, what's the deal with Sasha and Bailey? Yeah, perfect example. Perfect example. I think that could main event. In fact, I was asked by Spencer Love on Twitter, who do I think should main event this? I think it should be Bailey and Sasha. Because to me, in WWE, they kind of started this whole thing churning. Them and the other four horsewomen, but that match between Bailey and Sasha at TakeOver Brooklyn, that was magical. And it won, like, match of the year in a lot of people's books. So, to me, it could be great again. And we could finally get it on the main roster, which we've been wanting since they... We're promoted. No, that match, 
in particular is a match that I really think turned the tide on the way everybody felt about women's wrestling. Especially in WWE. In WWE. And so, uh, yeah. So, to me, that was the match that turned things. And yes, it absolutely should be the main event. I just don't know what they're going to do to his point about storytelling because his comment could have been, because he didn't say anything about the women, mm-hmm. that could have been a comment about WWE in general. <laughs> That's true. You, you know, could they, say that about anything they right don't, now. They don't stick to storytelling very well. They're all over the place sometimes. And the Bailey Boss thing is a perfect example. But let me say this. Do you think that they put them back together to hold off on them falling apart and maybe they are building towards that match? Yeah, I think I think they were going to put it in SummerSlam, but then once they got the idea of this evolution got, and that got going, I think they were like, all right, we're going to make that the main event of that. Or at event. least a, a higher-up match, That's, I hope. Yeah. To me, I, it has to be the main event, but I, I could see Ronda Rousey versus, like, Charlotte, mm-hmm. them going with that because that has a lot of, you know, drawing power. But also Charlotte, they love Charlotte. Right. I'm just hoping it's not like Alexa Bliss or Carmella – they might not even be champions by then, but no. we don't know. No. I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying main event quality for such a historic thing. I think it should be, you know, one of the women who have pioneered this change in WWE. Absolutely. Yeah. So now we go on to... At uh, the 7WF, we watch every pay-per-view and have for like 20-something straight years and won't miss this one either. Most likely will be better than most looking to see wrestlers we don't normally see. That's cool as hell. Very good point. Harry Wrestling Fan at H-A-I-R-Y Wrestling. There have been over 110 all-male WWE pay-per-views since the mid-80s. WWE Evolution will be the first all-female show they've ever produced. To say this change is long overdue is an understatement. Yep, I agree. Uh... That's pretty crazy, those facts, how many all-male shows they've been. I didn't even know that. Like, with no women on them (laughs) at all. Next one is from Adam Rotella at Adam underscore Rotella. I've been asked about the women's pay-per-view. What's the big deal? If you think it's a good idea, watch. If you don't, don't. Life is simple, humans. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you could say that about any of the products in wrestling. If you don't like it, don't watch it. (laughs) Yeah, check out Adam's podcast on the NWA. It's really good. And that's a good point there. And uh, Take the Bump podcast, our good friends at Take the Bump Pod, have a similar kind of sentiment. If all the women's pay-per-view is good, I'll be the first one to say so. If it's bad, I'll be the first one to say so. I make no judgments until I see the event itself. I think that's as fair as I can be. I agree. I mean, if if, if you're a WWE fan and you're going to watch pay-per-views anyways on the network, watch it. And if you don't like it, you know, voice your opinion. Just like we do, you know, every, every pay-per-view. Like, the last pay-per-view we didn't think was that overly exciting. <laughs> right? Yeah, right so so it's not like all the wwe pay-per-views are gold anyway so uh next one is from at deej kirkby my view on the women's pay-per-view is firstly it's great the wwe women are getting this recognition my gripe with it is the rhetoric that wwe are pioneering women's wrestling when in reality they are way behind the likes of impact and ring of honor and my only comment i want to say on this is yes ring of honor you know, prominently pushed women's wrestling before, but they lacked a women's championship belt, which to me kind of, I don't know, it, it, it portrayed it not as seriously. No, it was so, like a sideshow almost. <laughs> not a side. I mean, it was still good, but them having a title now is a big step forward. So, yes, I do think that Impact was far ahead 
of yes. WWE with pushing their women more seriously. But Ring of Honor, they've gotten more serious recently, I think, since they've added that title. That was important. It's funny, though. I will say this. Uh, WWE, of course, was was making about their women being sexy and stupid jello fights and pillow fights and all that stuff. Now it's all more serious wrestling, which is great. Impact is the same way, but the impact still borders that line of what WWE used to be. You know, Don Callis's creepy comments about they are their creepy. outfits and, you know, the way some of them are dressed is still not, you know, I mean, we're not completely into this golden era where it's all about the wrestling for sure yeah i have to agree and this kind of brings me to a hot take i have in wrestling everyone's always asking what's your hot take in fact that's a question we have in our question and answer segment my hot take and this might be controversial because i know there's a lot of guys watching this and there's nothing wrong with like sensuality and sexuality in wrestling in a way i still think it should be about the wrestling because the men aren't overly sexual you know I know it's a male audience, so why would they be like that? But it's you're pushing women's wrestling as being serious, as them being athletes, but still there's photo shoots that are really bordering on the line of overtly sexual. Like, hypocritical in a way. Um, you know, they, they keep preaching we've come so far, you know, and all this other stuff. And they're also trying to encourage young women, young women athletes, to become wrestlers and to stay in sports. But sports is more about, you know, wearing revealing clothing and like kind of just being overtly sexual like that's kind of they still kind of border on the line of that i think sometimes yes and no but i i look that's that's sports in general i mean i can i can give you examples in golf where they try to sexualize you know some of the women and they have sexy calendars and stuff they like do. that and tennis and but stuff. But do you think but, they make the women do you think they make the women be in the calendars? Do you think the company? So WWE is a company to be a WWE superstar, you know as a woman, I'll probably have to wear revealing clothing. I'll probably have to be in photo shoots. You can't just say no. Well, also, my point that I didn't mention is that they encourage implants. Uh, That's okay. another thing. It's so well documented. I know that they don't force people to get implants. That would be extreme. But they highly suggested. I mean, mm-hmm. Brie Bella used to say how she was kind of pressured and also, like, you know, asked, like, don't you want implants? But she never got them. Obviously, Nikki did. They're twins. They don't look like twins in that <laughs> regard. Or now they do more so uh, because she had a baby. But still, you know, that, to me, is wrong. That's so wrong. I agree. I don't know... I mean, the women might have wanted them anyway. I can understand that. But it's a fine line, and they are walking a fine line. And, yes, it might happen in all of sports, but I feel like WWE, it's almost like an expectation to where it's like if a golfer or a basketball player or, like, a tennis player, if they want to be in the calendar, they'll be in the calendar. They say no. They're, like, independent freelancers almost. The wrestlers under WWE are not, or maybe Impact even, too. But I'm sure Impact, they might have more of an opportunity to say no. I don't know. A lot of women like to be like that. Like, they, they like to feel sexy, but I don't think it should be a blanket statement, a blanket thing. I'm just saying I think it's a prerequisite to go there, and that's kind of uncool. Let's move on. A few few more comments. Okay, so Darth Vapor at Metal underscore 2006, he says, I'm flipping happy for the women of WWE. They flipping deserve it. <laughs> I guess he's taking a cue from me yes. and uh, all my flipping references. But to make it sound like it's never been done before, F off. They see how well the indies are doing now. They want to capitalize on it. They are, in my opinion, only doing it because of the Greatest Royal Rumble. 
Well, again, I I I, I agree. I I think I think it goes back to what we played earlier in in this segment. Yep. And Deej Kirby has you know the similar sentiment. Again, he pipes in saying, "Yes, this is WWE capitalizing on the popularity of women's wrestling. The sad thing is that Shimmer, Glow, and the like took the risk of pushing women's wrestling into the forefront, and big bad WWE will swoop in and take all the plaudits, advertising, and money." Now, we'll say I feel like WWE was pushing before Glow came out. I think. Unless he means, I guess he means the original Glow. Yes, he does mean the original Glow. I understand what he's saying now. I thought he meant like the TV show that's so huge now. But yeah, I see what he's saying now. I didn't realize that he's probably talking about <laughs> the original. But yeah, they took a lot more risk, especially Shimmer, which is an all-women's company. So I can see his point there. And the PR is a little much for even me. So that I agree with. But I will also pile on on that comment too. While these other promotions do exist... And, and have been out there before WWE. Let's be honest, WWE is the major leagues as far as promotion and eyeballs and all that. So it is a big step for them to do this because of who they are. Yeah, and some people did actually comment in the bonus comments. You'll see a lot of people were taking that stance too. Well, like, you know, a lot of people equate WWE with wrestling, like, period. Mm-hmm. WWE is wrestling. So in that case scenario it is a huge deal like 95 percent of people don't even know what shimmer is so. true right that is true <laughs> all right good guy dave at dave pozevsky uh adds this uh the wwe just announced an all women's pay-per-view what do you think of this announcement do you think it will be successful how will it affect the wwe and the future of women's wrestling as a whole well again i think this first one is going to do great no matter you know, what the lead up is to it, it's going to do great. They're going to throw everything into this. Yeah. We'll just have to see on the second one and the third one how it goes from there. Look, I could very well see them committed to this, but I could also see if they're three into this and they're playing in front of a building of 5,000 people and you see a lot of empty seats, that suddenly this becomes kind of a niche thing deep on the on the WWE Network, too. Let's quickly talk about... Some people have speculated this is going to be the impetus of an all-women's show on the network, like 205 Live is for the Cruiserweights. I don't think that would be a good idea at all. It would stretch the women's roster so thin. I know you've got NXT as well, but people just won't be invested for all that hours of television. Where 205 Live is different is that you don't really see the Cruiserweights very much on Raw or SmackDown anymore. However, the women would still be expected to be on Raw and SmackDown. So how would that shake out? It would be so much more wrestling for them to do, and people would just, I think, get oversaturated with it. And oversaturated with wrestling, period. There's already so much on the network. Like, I don't even watch 205 Live, even though I've heard it's great. Yeah, we've talked about We've talked about that in the past, and the way they handled 205 Live. If they were to do that with the women's division, it would be a huge mistake. But it's getting better now, though. Let's add that. A yeah. lot of people are liking it now and but thinking it's, it's st- great wrestling. But still in a big big arena after SmackDown. The crowd's And dead. the crowd's not into it. And I think if they were to do that, say, after Raw, you know, for an all-women's show, I think the same problem would exist. I think so, too, actually. And um, I kind of referenced this question a little bit earlier. But at Exist in Crisis asks... Will WWE spotlight the current talent or just push the legends to the main event? 
I don't think they'll put the Legends in the main event. I'm hoping they'll be smart and just have a Legends match, whether it's a six-woman tag or or whatever. Um, I don't don't want it to be a Battle Royal. Now, let's go that direction, too. I don't want to see every Legend in a Battle Royal. But Lita and Trish Stratus and, and some of the other big names, Beth Phoenix, put them in a match or two, maybe, but don't let it take away from the current roster. Our good friend Graham, actually, he he was asking, because he doesn't know New Japan like we do, so he was genuinely asking, doesn't New Japan not have any women wrestling? Like, how does that relate to what WWE's doing? And uh, is there a reason behind the New Japan thing? Well, he was asking, like, truthfully, like, genuinely asking, whereas other people were using that as ammunition, like, WWE is so much better, New Japan doesn't have women's wrestling, like, oh... It's nothing against women that they don't have the wrestlers, the female wrestlers wrestle in Japan. There's all women rosters and shows and promotions in Japan. And that's why New Japan has historically been all male, but there's been many historic all women promotions. So there really is no need to have both. Like the women's not featuring men, you know what I mean? Like. Somebody could ask the women promotion, why don't you feature any of the New Japan guys? Right. So to me, it's nothing bad or ulterior motive, like, oh, we're trying to not feature women. I think it's just the way it is. It's a historical thing, how it's always been done there. So making that comparison is kind of unfair. Graham was just wondering, you know, why? So I guess time will tell is the best way to put this. It's certainly a historic event. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's well overdue, but we'll also see how it's... How it's received, you know, I mean, I, I've mentioned this before. One of my good friends doesn't watch women's wrestling, equates it to watching the WNBA. It's just not the same level of talent to him. And so there's going to be people like that as well. Um, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see what they do with it. But I'm also to see excited to see how well it's received. I just hope it does well and makes a good first impression because, you know, as a woman wrestling fan and a woman wrestling podcaster – you know, it's kind of cool that the women are taking this big jump. It's a historical thing, and I just wanted to do well. Because, yes, it's been done in other promotions, but for WWE, I thought they were years away from doing an all-women's show. We talked about it, like, we showed earlier, like, a few months ago. But, you know, I really honestly thought that they were years away because of the way WWE backstage is. So this is a huge step for WWE, and I'm really excited to see what they're going to do. Please let it be good. <laughs> yes, please. So, terrific heads and tails segment. It's now time to take a break, but when we come back, it's time for Ask Two-Faced. Our awesome wrestling logo is by artist Eric Hodson. You could check him out at erichodson.storeenvy.com, where he has tons of other wrestling artwork. He really is an incredible artist. His Twitter handle is at Dreaded Dinosaur, which is named after his comic series, The Dreaded Dinosaur Man, which you can find on webtoons.com. Just search for The Dreaded Dinosaur Man, and you can read it for free. Thanks, Eric. We really love your logo. Welcome back to Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, and now it's time for my favorite segment where we interact one-on-one with you guys. And let me remind you before we get into our segment that if you want to submit questions, follow us on Twitter, at TwoFacedPod. And you could use the hashtag AskTwoFaced, and that's spelled T-W-O-F-A-C-E-D. It has a D on it. So check that out. Follow us. 
tweet us those questions. You might be featured on the show one day. But now, it's time to get right into the questions. It's time for hashtag Ask Two Faced. Our first question comes from at Dalton's account zero. Who do you think had the most disappointing world championship title reign in WWE history? Well, I went back and looked almost to the early 80s, and there aren't a lot of bad champions. There are no David Arquettes that, <gasps> that WWE trotted out as champions. Don't be so mean to Arquette. Ugh, awful. But yeah, the championship <laughs> reign wasn't good. Um, really, I mean, there aren't a lot of, of names that you would say aren't deserving champions. So I'm actually not going back very far, and I'm going to go to Jinder Mahal. And it's not even that he wasn't a good champion. It was that it was just so out of nowhere. Like, a month earlier, he was basically like a jobber. And then all of a sudden, he's in the in the main event and winning the title. So I think that was a questionable one for me. Let me play devil's advocate. Do you think winning it elevated him as a heel character? Or not really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. So maybe it was a good thing after all, but yeah, not as fun as a viewer to see him as champ. Yeah, and he's not a great wrestler. He's gotten yeah. better, um, but that, I mean, to me, that was as disappointing or surprising, I guess, a, a champion as as we've had in recent years, for sure. Yeah, and I'm going to go with, also not that you know much in the past, Alberto Del Rio, because I'm not a huge fan of him as a wrestler, as a personality, um, and he kind of seems to be kind of like a crummy human human being. <laughs> you know, we've seen kind of from all the stories and the tabloids and falling out with Impact, you know, the mean things he tweeted, just scandals left and right, but beyond that, he just doesn't excite me as a wrestler and never has, so I'm picking him. No, he never has, whether he, when he showed up in Ring of Honor for a little while, and he seemingly is wearing out his welcome in all these places too. But yeah, I've never been a huge fan either. Next one is from at DSmooth210. When will Finn Balor ever get his universal title rematch opportunity that hasn't been granted to him? Also, will he ever use the demon gimmick at SummerSlam? Um, well, I am so tired of saying the same thing, but it needs to be said. Finn Balor really should have more opportunities. And he's not even my favorite wrestler. Like, there's, like, this little faction of people online who are actually kind of anti-Finn Balor. Mm -hmm. They're not really into him as a wrestler. I like him, and I love the demon character. But they haven't shown that in so long. And I, he's really not doing much ever since he got injured. He just hasn't been pushed the same way. And that's unfortunate. And I don't know if we'll ever see his rematch. Yeah, it's weird. It's... First of all, yeah, shouldn't he get a rematch at some point for sure? But second, it's almost like he's being punished because he got hurt, you know? Like, I mean, they thought enough of him to make him the first Universal Champion. I'd be curious to know what was going on backstage, how long a, a title run he was going to have before he got hurt. Was he only going to have it a couple months? You know, the way they think of him now, that's kind of what you would think. But at the time where they think, okay, this guy could be our champion for a year or so. It's like, you know, I know Vince doesn't really like littler guys, yeah. but especially after he got hurt, that was kind of like the nail in the coffin. Like, well, you know, that's why I don't like giving it to smaller guys, because they tend to get hurt easier, and they're not like the look I want anyway. And once he moved on, you know, he really didn't need to come back that direction, even when Finn returned. So I don't know. It's unfortunate, but I don't know. 
I, I don't know how Finn's going to continue from here. I really hate seeing and hearing Baron Corbin just make fun of his height. It's such a lazy heel tactic and a lazy heel card that they're playing. Like, come on. We've already seen this with big casts. Right. It's like he just did it. And I know he's not with the company anymore. It's like they're recycling the storyline with Finn and Corbin. It's stupid. I don't like it. Let's move on. You know, Finn's a great wrestler. And let's have this feud be about something other than his height. All right. So our next question comes from at metal underscore 2006. Get off my lawn with Paul. And the topic is the top three things that bother him with the state of wrestling and all promotions. And let me remind our new listeners or viewers that... We have this ranting segment we sometimes do, and it's called Get Off My Lawn, where Paul says all these grumpy things he doesn't like, or maybe he has like an old school approach to some things in wrestling. Uh, so do you have any Get Off My Lawns? Top three things, uh, and it should be angry. It should be Get Off My Lawn. <laughs> yes, um, exactly. Well, one is one we're going to talk about in our closing out the show, um, a poll we did. So I'll, I'll save most of my thoughts on that, but it's fans hijacking the show. I'm all for everybody having fun, but when the fans try to take over the product, um, or like in the example of the uh, the Iron Man match between D- Dolph and, and Seth, the, the stupid countdown with the clock, and all, <gasps> you know, it's just, you know, if you're that bored, don't go there. <laughs> if you've got to entertain yourself... So that would be one. Um, I would say, I guess, I wish WWE would let the wrestlers have more freedom so they don't have to be like New Japan. Because New Japan, it's crazy. They couldn't, WWE's schedule is so crazy, they couldn't wrestle like they wrestle in New Japan night after night. Now you can argue, okay, New Japan's wrestling four or five times a week, but that's only during this tournament. They're not doing it for a 52-week schedule. They are doing weekly shows. They're yeah, like, but not like con- WWE's version of house shows. Right. But, leading up to a big but, pay-per-view. But not condensed like they're doing during the G1 where they're wrestling every night. And they're all these super intense, long... Even the tag team matches are brutal. But so, to play devil's advocate, WWE has nothing like that high quality of matches in a row. No. No. And so that's what I'm saying. I would like to see WWE give their wrestlers a little more freedom. And Third... And thirdly, and this is not even a WWE complaint, this is America in 2018, the divisiveness. You know, <laughs> but I'm going to break it into wrestling. WWE New Japan, you've heard about me you've heard me talk about this before. I'm in the middle. I can watch everything. I like Impact, I like Ring of Honor, I like it all. The the two factions who will never see eye to eye. WWE sucks. New Japan sucks. You know, the divisiveness. Can we all just come together? You know, See, I don't know. I don't know if that's an angry rant, though. Exactly. <laughs> I was about to say that. I don't know if we can consider that a true get off my lawn because I almost agree with all your points. <laughs> and although I bash WWE, let me add, I still say when it's good. So I might be mm. on the, oh, it sucks sometimes. I like you know? how you're always defensive about this. Like, I'm talking about you. It feels I like think, you I are. I think you know you have a guilty conscience and that you are an elitist. Somewhat, <laughs> I am an elitist in, in a way, but I can still recognize when WWE is good. All right, so our next question is at Jason underscore Span. What do you think Ring of Honor and New Japan have to do to get to the next level? And I know what you're going to say. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same answer I've said before. If you're new to the show, to me, it's simple. 
They've got to get a good TV package. Ring of Honor is is buried on some Sinclair stations. Uh, you know, here in New Orleans, it's on a cable sports network. That's the case in other towns. It's not in a consistent place. So Ring of Honor has got to find a way to get a good TV deal. And I think New Japan, too, because not everybody has direct TV and has access. So I don't like access. Yeah. I don't like the way New Japan is presented on access, right. so I'd be all for them getting a better deal. So I've said I would love to see NBC Sports Network, CBS Sports Network. One of those, you know, the CBS Sports Network is filling their schedule with random stuff anyways, whether it's, you know, outdoor lacrosse to other What's stuff. What's that weird ball thing? What channel was that on? That was ESPN, wasn't it? I think it was. I don't even remember. Spike, Spike ball. ball. Yeah. Weird. So, look, there, there's a place for it, and it can be on a national TV network. I, it's just got to be in a consistent place, I think, to take the next step. If there's a slot for Spike Ball, <laughs> there's got to be a slot somewhere for Ring of Honor. You would think. Or New Japan. So, next question. Uh, from at Deej Kirkby, what is your current hot take in wrestling? Well, I already said mine earlier, and I'm sticking with that. You know, some people might disagree. Obviously, there's a lot of male viewers listening to us, a lot of male viewers watching wrestling who would defend, oh, but we would love that. Well, of course you do. <laughs> but if you're going to be all PR heavy and promoting women's wrestling, and we're so pro-women, and we're for the advancement of athletes, and strictly thinking of them as athletes, then you're kind of being a little hypocritical. Since I did just do three things on Get Off My Lawn, I think you could pick any of those three as my hot take. But since I came up with the, the poll that we're going to go with, I'm going to stick with the, the fan thing. Okay, that's <laughs> a good one. Um, that was a hard question because I really didn't know what to say until I started really thinking about it. And then that's what came in my whole women's discussion. But uh, this next question is also hard. It's from our good friend RJ at underscore ringside rant. Who is the hottest wrestler in the world that isn't a, quote, name wrestler? So, you know, this is a hard question because at first I asked him what he meant by that. I said, do you mean like the most over wrestler? And he goes, yeah. And I'm like, well, who isn't a, quote, name? Because if the question was phrased, who is the most underrated wrestler who isn't a name, I would say Speedball Mike Bailey. Because he's one of the best high flyers in the world, but you hardly ever hear anybody talking about him. And it's because, I think a large part that he can't come to the United States because he's got all these visa issues and he's like banned from working here for quite a while. I think for another year or two. But um, if the question was you know phrased that way, I could have said that. Otherwise, I honestly have no idea because what do you consider to be a name? Like, is Matt Riddle a name? Is Zack Sabre Jr. a name? I guess before Keith Lee was recruited to NXT, I would have said Keith Lee. But even then, I don't know how many people know him yet. Or like so, Jeff Cobb, maybe, I yeah, could say. Yeah. I don't know. Who would you say? I mean, is Punishment Martinez a big name? Because I think he's... He's not a big name, so I guess you could say him. I, I mean, I, I guess... I guess. But he's not the hottest. He's not the most right. over. He's not so a, who's the most popular I, guy? I view it as a house... When he says name, I'm thinking household name that wrestling fans that are your casual fans can name. And I'm I'm thinking most... Couldn't name Keith Lee or Jeff Cobb or Punishment Martinez. But so then they wouldn't be. So they are the most over, but they're not a name. That's what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Yes. They're like they're super over. Also, by the way, I mentioned Matt Riddle. There's rumors. I don't know if I told you about him going to WWE. Yep. How is he going to change his lifestyle? <laughs> you obviously can't smoke there. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. I don't know. People are excited. Honestly, I don't know. How to and is Vince going to let him wrestle barefoot? That's He's big... got to wrestle barefoot. I don't know. They made Rusev stop wrestling barefoot. Because he broke his foot, didn't right. he? Oh, I hope they don't make him wrestle with I think shoes that's a, on. That's going to be an interesting uh, thing to see if he that does. Would, 
he would lose a lot because that's like part of his aura. Yeah, I agree. I think that would be a huge mistake. Second part of uh, his question, do you think WWE could ever make 60-minute draw work ever again? Well, they couldn't make that Iron Man match work in the sense that the crowd wasn't into it. So how is the crowd going to be into a 60-minute match? I mean, the counting down was atrocious. And we'll talk more about Chance, including that, in our closing out the show. But, um... I don't think it could work in this day and age in WWE the way it's, things are booked, the way the stories are told. Uh, I just don't think it could be done right now. No, I agree. I agree. This is another question we don't really quite know <laughs> the answer to, but we will you know, we'll try to address it. We'll, we'll, it'll give us a good excuse to plug our appearance at StarCast. <laughs> so Michael Berry Sr. at Michael Berry Sr., he asks, What are your plans for StarCast? What guests will be on the show? Honestly, we don't know. There's still a lot of stuff up in the air about StarCast. I know a dream guest of mine. I said this before. Macaulay Culkin. Because randomly, he's going to be at StarCast. He's going to have, like, a panel. And I'm a huge fan of Home Alone. So we did a Home Alone-themed pop culture segment a couple of weeks ago. We will have our pop culture wrestling segment back again in the future soon. But uh, check out some of our past episodes to see that, that Home Alone one. It's great. But StarCast, I know we're going to do some collabs. We're going to be working with our friends from View from the Top Rope. I know that Heels and Quads are going to be there. That's another great podcast. New Age Insiders, some of my favorite people are going to be there. I hope I could do something with them. So hopefully just we could get together with these people, have some drinks, record some fun, crazy podcasts, and lots of cool stuff. Yeah, we don't know about the guests. We do know we're going to get some guests. We're supposed to get some stars. You know who my dream is? Well, of course. The Young Bucks, of and we're going to talk about them in a second. Of course. But will it happen? <laughs> I don't know. I'm very scared that it won't because I've been dying to get this interview. I'm such a huge fan. It's like it has to happen. <laughs> Guys, come on. Help me out here. Say Kelsey needs this interview. She deserves it. I'm such a huge fan. Uh, I, I mean, do. if we're talking about dream guests, I mean, I, I think having Cody on would be awesome. Oh, God, yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. We. It's funny, it's not that far away, and we still don't know a lot of the details of, you know, of how things are going to shake I out. I want to hear more about the NWA, too. Like, David Lagana, who I've been talking to a lot on Twitter, who's basically doing all the videos for NWA. I'd love to talk to him. I don't think Billy Corgan would be there. I'd love to talk to him, though. Uh, and even Nick, Nick Aldis. I don't know that much about him, so to find out more about him and about his journey with the NWA World's title, I think that would be really special and unique. I want to go for things that are different. Everyone's going to be interviewing people. We want to come up with, one, different questions, and we want to have, like, some different people. So no matter what we're going to bring you, you can be assured that it will be unique or really hard to try to put a different spin on things. That you can be sure of. All right, so Take the Bump Pod is next. How about we get some old man anger from Paul? Like I spit on our show this week about how terrible and disrespectful the crowd in Pittsburgh was at Extreme Rules. I feel like I can coexist on the same side of the topic as Paul. Yes, you can. This is unusual for you guys. Y'all are always on opposite sides. No, I mean, I again, like I said earlier, I don't understand why people, you know, feel the need to, uh, you know, hijack the show. And so, so I'm, I'm with him. You know. Yeah, it was really just. They gave you an event 
a main event that you should have wanted. Right. And that a lot of people were asking for. And then the crowd really just made it seem like, well, we don't want it. So why not just keep pushing Roman, which we see now is happening. <laughs> right. So I don't know if that had anything to do with the crowd. It probably didn't. It was probably going to happen either way. But right. it surely didn't help things. No, no, I agree. So, okay, so our next question, and this spawned a whole discussion. I'm going to read some tweets after I read the question. It's from Smart Mark Apparel at Smart Clothing, and they're great. Check them out on Twitter. Will the Young Bucks ever go to WWE? And I'm very passionate about this, but let's get your answer first. I've said this before. I think Kenny Omega is more likely to go than the Young Bucks because because there's just not an emphasis in the tag team division in WWE. So will the Young Bucks eventually test those waters? I think they probably will, but I, they're they're just... They're not going to get to do what they do, whereas I think Kenny Omega could, you know, be a big star in WWE. I am going to say I'm bracing myself that they will eventually go, even for a little while. And I think a little while is the only way it would really be a complete success because people complain now and they say, well, you know, the Bucks should go to WWE because they've done everything there is to do outside of WWE. I disagree because obviously with this all in thing, the sky's the limit. Not only did they do the first ever larger largest independent show ever with all in, but also the hot topic merch deal unheard of. The being the first non-WWE wrestlers to have uh, Funko Pops unheard of. All this stuff they keep breaking down the barriers and the walls of what independent wrestlers are supposed to be able to do on their own without the machine backing them. I think that's very special about them. There's only very few people in wrestling as a whole across all promotions who could do that. The Young Bucks are two of those people, and they're very rare. How cool would it be if they were the only tag team, the only wrestlers, to never really go? Because, you know, eventually, almost everyone has gone. Like, we'll hear in our, some of our comments, people are saying all about this t- type of stuff. Like, Sting went, for instance. It's just, to me, it would be such a legendary thing if they didn't go. And I don't think they need WWE. No. And to take the other side of the coin, so if you think they've done everything they can do outside of WWE, once they get into WWE, how long before they've done everything they could do there? Right. A lot less time. Win, win both tag belts. They don't want to separate, so the singles titles are off the table. They've said many times they don't want to separate, so that's why I'm making that assumption, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's correct. You know, How much can they do besides that, besides just winning each brand tag belts? That's it. Well, there's only like eight good tag teams in WWE. I know, so, I mean, in the matchups itself, so it's going to run out. They could go through those in no time. So, uh, Let's read some of our examples now, because people had great things to say. Um, Darth Vapor says... Especially with the success of All In, why would they go to WWE that tried to sue them for the too sweet and the crotch chop? And then Smart Mark said, yes, I want to believe that, but if WWE backs up the money truck, can the Bucks say no? And then Darth Vapor mentions, well, would they have creative control over merch? No. Would they be able to do their YouTube stuff? Maybe. I don't think so. <laughs> like, up, up, down, down, yes, but maybe it would still be monitored i don't know uh have would they have a schedule like they do now i don't think that's a valid point in a way because i think their schedule is insane almost more insane than wwe because they're flying to japan all the time they're flying different countries they're flying across the state the country no 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 i i think their schedule is pretty tough actually if they say no to any of these questions would it be a smart move for them to go i i, I agree with him i don't think it would be smart 
um, except for the money. <laughs> He also says he thinks the Bucks are having too much fun to go to WWE, but if they do, what about in 2020, maybe? Like, you know, the next set of contracts that are up, not this one coming up in January. And then, you know, Smart Mark Apparel says, well, maybe they'll go and give it a year and then go back to the indies and maybe even open up their own promotion. Then Deej Kirkby chimes in, uh, you know, they probably would get input on merch, but not at the level they do now. I'd assume they'd get the 5% deal that Rousey has, but 5% of a deal with WWE would be worth more than a 50% deal with Pro Wrestling Tees. Good point there. That is a good point, but they do make a lot of money <laughs> with their tees, and they've got a lot of the control over the merch. Deej Kirby goes on to say he could see the Bucks in WWE. He wants it to happen only because he wants there to be no doubt that they are among the best teams ever to cement that they have to do it on the biggest stage and that's wwe and a lot of people argue that they're not the best tag team in the world they've never been to the big leagues quote yeah and i can see that point you know if if they go there and they win belts there i mean then they they probably do cement themselves as the greatest tag team ever and then other people were saying but what about them being the first to say no to going that's also legendary in a way but you're still not getting that huge exposure on the same level i do I understand that. Then, you know, people are bringing up the Hot Topic deal. What about that? And then uh, Deej Kirkby says, well, the licensing deals WWE has will more than make up for what they're losing. While the Hot Topic deal is massive, being on uh, 7-Eleven advertising, for example, and all the products WWE will license and churn out will be more, and it will cover all the money that they made from the Hot Topic deal. That's a good point there, too. The real question, Smart Mark Apparel says, can you see the Bucks lasting in WWE? And like I said, they're going to run out of things to do. And I said, I don't think they will last in terms of popularity and like doing well in the card, but by no fault of the Young Bucks. Like It's, you know, the company... Things get stale there no matter who you are. And that's the whole thing. And I used the Hardys as an example. They were so hot on the non-WWE scene. that So much so that people in WWE knew about them. Like when they came and re-debuted at Mania, people were saying delete. So people knew about what they had done outside of WWE. That's huge. So, but look at what the Broken Hardys are doing now. They're very much diminished. And they're not at the level they were when they came in. In terms of their strong character work, and the popularity, too, in my opinion. Then Take the Bump podcast chimes in at the very end here and says, they will have one big run in WWE, got a lock in that Hall of Fame spot, LOL. And he also said even Sting went, just like I referenced earlier. So lots of great Young Bucks discussion there. All I know is I don't want them to go, No, I, I, I think for them to go and for it to be successful... The WWE has got to show that they they're committed to tag team wrestling. You know, I've said this before. There should only be one tag team belt, and it rotates among the shows because there's just too few tag teams. I mean, how many times have the Usos taken on the New Day? Too many times you know, is the answer. You know, I mean, the Bludgeon Brothers have pretty much already knocked those guys out. You know, I mean, it's just. There just needs to be one tag team title. Just like I think there should only be one women's title. Me too. There, there needs to be more competition. Th- then you could just have a deeper pole, a pool of of different matches and you wouldn't get the same things. And I think that would be more appealing to the Young Bucks. I mean, just take SmackDown right now. Say the Young Bucks beat the Bludgeon Brothers, the Usos, the New Day, and Sheamus and Cesaro. Okay, then what? You know, that, I know. That's, that's what worries that, me. Then they face them again. You know, yep. so so 
And you can, I know the argument is, look, they've faced the Briscoe brothers a million times too, but. But they still have those outside avenues to do different things. Mm -hmm. Whereas in WWE, that would be limited to what WWE wants them to do. Exactly. So, uh, it's an interesting discussion. It'll probably happen, I think, but, uh. No! Well, anyway, let's move on. Thank you guys so much for your questions. We really appreciated it. Lots of questions this week. In the future, just a reminder, we will have to pick and choose questions because we're getting so many. Our show is becoming like, I don't know, like a saga every week. It's like a two-hour thing, and we don't want it to reach past, like, much past an hour and a half. So we're trying to tighten things up. So, guys, you know, limit your questions if you can, and also try to make them the best because we can only ask a few and please going forward best as you can use the hashtag ask two face and tweet at us follow yeah. us on twitter that would be great either my personal account at super it but easily done also follow at two-faced pod because i'll see it there too time for us to close out the show and send them home and kelsey we're going to kind of do a duel sending them home because of uh, a poll that we released earlier this week that was very, very well uh, received. It was. We got lots of votes, a total of 272 votes over two days. We asked about chants and what was the most annoying chant. This was your idea. Great idea. I've got to toot your horn a little bit there. Well, I, I come up with nothing but great ideas. But <laughs> You wish. <laughs> anyway, most annoying fan chant. And these are only a few that came to our minds we gave people the option to say other if they don't like mm-hmm. our three choices. So what? You effed up or sweet after a two count, which is really getting annoying. At first I liked it, but now it's in all promotions. It's too prominent. I really don't like it. And again, I said we allowed people to say other things if they didn't agree with those three options. And the too sweet is is the impetus, second time that word's been used in the podcast, oh, um, for this poll. When I was watching, I'm, I turned to you. I don't even know which promotion we were watching. Me neither. And I don't even think it was a promotion that that the Bullet Club was in. But the the two sweet after every two count, and I just was like, oh, enough. Yeah. And so that got me thinking about some of the annoying chants from the crowd. And uh, what was the winner? It was with 42%. And then let's go through the other, how much percentages the other choices got. You effed up, finished last with only 10% of votes, which I found to be surprising. Now, people might not think it's annoying. I just think it's disrespectful mm-hmm. more so. But um, that would be my choice, I guess, because it's just so disrespectful. There's a lot of chants that annoy me, but that one just really is not right. It's not a good thing to say. Then, after that, 23% for the uh, sweet after the two count, because people seem to be getting annoyed with that. <laughs> and then, other came in second place with 25%. Some of the people who left comments were just reiterating about what, which was the winner of the poll. So they said why they disliked the what chant. So we'll talk about that. We'll actually read some of their reasons. But let's go through some of the other choices people said. At Barry Potter said the endless 10 chants during a ref's count, it completely takes away from the match and turns what can be a dramatic moment into an annoyance. Then a few people said CM Punk. First, who said CM Punk? MJ Hart. He says, he's not coming back, guys. Get over it. (laughs) Yeah, several on CM Punk. uh, At Mr. Warren Hayes. It's unquestionably CM Punk. The rare occasions where it still pops up nowadays are especially annoying. 
Yeah, just like it doesn't make sense, and no. it really takes away from the wrestlers what they're trying to do in the ring. And here's somebody who's specifically talking about the incident that just happened at 406 Yeti 10987654 during a damn Iron Man match. Yeah, it was so. At first, I didn't even know what what they were doing, and then I realized they were. It was every time they were getting to an even minute. Ridiculous. Our good friend Jody at Jody, A-D-L-E, she says she's got like the only choice of this, and it's kind of unique. She said the ECW chants get annoying after a while. ECW was awesome, but she's over it. Right. right. What a great point, Jody. I, I agree. Uh, Fight Forever. That was Zach from, Ulrich, 13. Uh, this one from Jay Curley, 97. Let's go. So-and-so, so-and-so sucks. That gets on his nerves. I like this uh, this little comment here by <laughs> Spee's benchmark again. One of the benefits of watching New Japan. No chanting. <laughs> yes, that's for sure. Uh, one fall uh, Mister at Mr. Duck and Awesome uh, said he hates that one with a passion. I'm with him on that one, yeah, too. Yeah, I can't stand that either. Annoys the hell out of me. Our good friend from PWP Nation at Tell It Be. I don't like This Is Awesome, and I especially don't like it at New Japan shows, especially when, you know, the Japanese crowd for New Japan is so respectful. They'll cheer, but they don't do chants. Like, sometimes, very rarely, they'll say This Is Awesome, but for the most part, they don't chant like that. And I like when it's pretty much just cheering, and that's it. No actual chants. A lot of other people said This Is Awesome, um... And gave good reasons, too. Uh, at last, Bone Stan said, I can't stand the This Is Awesome chant anymore. It was nice when it was reserved for something special. Now it gets bandied about whenever someone goes through a table or kicks out of a finisher. Great point there. Someone said, uh, Wrestling Never RR said this is boring. There's some people who actually defended the what chant. So let's talk about the defense. Like, they can't believe that people think it's annoying. I don't know if they're serious or not, but at your real dad sixty eight said, "Imagine thinking the what chant is annoying, most iconic chant ever." It was when Stone Cold Steve Austin was in the ring, and he's still the only one who could really still make it work and entertaining. Otherwise, when it's just said and spoken and chanted at random wrestlers, it really gets annoying. No, it is annoying, and even though some people like uh, at B Knuckle Seven say it shouldn't be on the list, but uh... but he also goes on to say. You know, it's okay that we all have different opinions. That's what makes wrestling community great. But the what chant has been gold, in his humble opinion. Hilarious then, funny now. He still enjoys annoying people with it to this day. See, he knows it's annoying deep down. He's admitted it. (laughs) But now we've got people saying that they're against what? Uh, At Heel Doors from uh, Wrestling Inc. If I ever bumped into a genie, one of my three wishes would be to vanquish the what chant. Exactly. It ruins so many possible promos that could be great promos. And it's almost like the fans are trying to trip up the wrestler and get like, like so some sort of certain joy out of, oh, we made you mess up. And then they can chant, you effed up, you know? You know, why? <laughs> why are they trying to mess people up? I don't like that. So Aiden at AYD, Baden, says, definitely the what chance. I wouldn't mind them so much if they were used sparingly, but more often than not, they end up taken away from actually decent promos, like we just said. Preston316 says, what will always remind me of the glory days, but I think Vince would choose the what chant because it, you know, messes up so much of his promos. <laughs> I bet he would. And this here's up your alley. Yeah, here's one that's, uh, me and Ed to take the bump pod, suddenly we're in the, uh, same, uh, sharing the same brain. I kind of wanted to say the Marty Skrull whoop whoop just to be a heel. I'm, hey, I'm with you because I don't like oh the whoop, I don't like the whoop whoop at all. Whoop whoop. 
<laughs> I can't believe you don't like it. Ruins a, one of the greatest entrance themes of all time. Whatevs. So at Pro Fights Info has a couple he doesn't like. You deserve it. This is awesome, and you've still got it. The first two are far too overused, and they have become completely meaningless as a result. The last one I just find insulting, as most wrestlers tend to respond, well, I never lost it. It's <laughs> a good point. I voted for what, but I think I may, what may irritate me the most, says uh, at, at Roy underscore LB, is you deserve it when someone wins a belt. Deserving is irrelevant. Wrestlers earn victories in kayfabe. Now I know kayfabe is super dead, but that chant particularly just spits on the grave. And lastly, I like this one because it's unique and no one else said it. At Y-E-R-Y-E-R-6-2, you suck to Angle when he's not a heel. <laughs> and also, he's like a legend now. I'm kind of tired of hearing people chant you suck at him, even though it's awesome and it goes with the song so well. And, you know, everyone's so nostalgic because that's how they chanted at him before. But like you said, he's not a heel anymore. He's a legend. He's someone to be respected. And he's playing like a super huge baby face right now. It just doesn't go. <laughs> Great responses. So, so uh, again, we could have probably given you 20 choices on the poll, but uh, Twitter limits us to, to the four. Uh, but some great answers. And, uh, again, like I said earlier, and get off my lawn. Stop hijacking the show. So what is your definitive answer? What's your least favorite to end out the show? I mean, it goes in waves. It What is certainly there? Um, Got to pick. But, but, I mean, I came up with a poll because of the whole Too Sweet. Because, so right now, is that your least yes, favorite? Yes, Too Sweet is my least favorite right now. And okay. yours? Mine, like I said, is the you effed up. Just because, disrespectful. And so there you have it. That's our votes there. Just, you know, we're being transparent. <laughs> That's what we voted for. And uh, I'm so glad you all took the time to respond to the poll. We got lots of responses. And I really enjoyed reading it. I know some of the listeners are probably like, that's a lot of examples. <laughs> but I only picked the ones that had, like, reasoning behind them. I thought they were great reasons. And that's why I read them. So thank you guys so much. And thank you all for listening. It's been a fun, super-packed show. Super interactive <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, and we hope for the interaction to continue. So, again, last time I'm plugging it, check us out on Twitter, at TwoFacedPod, to vote in these polls, to send us questions and to just give us your opinion about the show make sure you're commenting about the show so we know what you think what we could improve on what you like that we do etc etc and a reminder if we didn't get to your question or your comment on the air in this podcast we're going to release an extra that kelsey will respond to uh, some of the stuff especially about the uh, evolution announcement definitely and going forward i think we are going to start limiting our question numbers not only per person but like in general how many we say on the show and i'll probably start releasing bonuses with all the rest of the questions from now on just to make the show a little tighter with just you announcing or uh, analyzing those I get, you, get, you get off easy that's well, not fair well, more people want to see you anyway so let's, let's face facts well anyway it's been a great show and we really appreciate you guys listening or watching if you're checking us out on youtube have a great one and that's the finish You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.